0: Evening, our scripture reading tonight will come from the book of Nehemiah, chapter 2, verses 17 and 18. I'll be reading from the New King James Version. <clears throat> then I said to them, you see the distress that we are in, how Jerusalem lies waste and its gates are burned with fire. Come, amid, come and let us build the wall of Jerusalem that we may no longer be a reproach. And I told them of the hand of my God, which had been good upon me, and also of the king's words that he had spoken to me. So they said, Let us rise up and build. Then they set their hands to this good work. I know that you've uh, noticed how good the education building looks as the new skin has been put upon it. I just wanted to say that I rejoice because it's a little bit darker shade from about may until september every year this time right right about five o'clock the sun is brightly shining off and for about six months out of the year i can't see a lot of your faces in this particular section of the auditorium while i'm preaching so i'm really glad that the the uh, the uh, education building looks better but i'm especially glad that not only have we fallen back and it's getting dark outside now but i can see your faces again that's a blessing for me don't forget that we have a program that we've begun this year that for every time you come to the building, try to take five minutes and get to know somebody that maybe you don't know as well. Take five So I know a lot of you tonight are sitting in different places. That's great. That's a wonderful way to see people and visit with people that maybe you don't ordinarily connect with. I've just noticed in my own life, when I come in the same door and I go to the same place, I typically see the same people over and over and over again. But when I come in a different door and I sit in a different location, it's easier to see people that maybe I'm not as connected with sometimes. And so make an intentional effort to do this. Thank you so much for your great participation in that work. I thought tonight that for our study, as we thought about installing elders this morning and the great work that God has given elders to do, that it would be wise for us to spend some time thinking about God's word and the need for vision. Vision, the ability to see what's down the road and the ability to like this guy on the screen behind me, look at the map and figure out not only where you want to go, but how you're going to get there. That is a God like, a Christ like quality. You think about God. God is a God of vision. He planned in His mind our salvation before the world began. Titus chapter 1, verse 2, 1 Peter 1, verses 18 through 21. God is a planning God. God said to Abraham, I want you to get out of your land and go to a place that I will show you. God had vision. I want to take you from where you know. How things are to a place that I know. And God has done that throughout history. He took the Israelites out of Egypt and He brought them through the wilderness to the land of promise that He had given to them. God is a God of vision. And vision, brothers and sisters and friends, and especially those who are elders, vision is not just important for the people of God, it is essential, especially in the turbulent and rapidly changing times that we live in. It is essential for the people of God to think about godly vision. And there are some reasons why many elderships lack a sense of vision. Sometimes elderships get the idea that, well, we're preaching the gospel and we're able to pay the electric bill and we're able to pay a salary for the preacher. And so if that's true, then things must be going fine. There is a degree of truth in the idea that the gospel doesn't change. And there is truth in the idea that God himself doesn't change. So if God's word doesn't change, and if God doesn't change, and if the mission of the church to preach the gospel to all the world has not changed, then you might ask, well, what's the need for vision? I would submit to you in response that you see quite a difference in the book of Acts. From the sermon that you read in Acts chapter 2, where Peter preaches to Jewish people on the day of Pentecost... And he quotes from the scriptures uh, like the Old Testament book of Joel and the Old Testament book of Psalms. And his audience knows exactly where those books are and exactly what those prophets and psalmists have said. There's a difference in the Acts 2 sermon and the Acts 17 sermon. When the apostle Paul goes to Mars Hill in Athens, Greece, and he preaches to people who are idolaters and philosophers, and he preaches about the unknown God, the God that you don't know, I'm gonna tell you about him. I say that to say that, yes, the gospel is unchanging, but it takes vision to appreciate what people around us are thinking and how they're responding and how best we can talk to them about God's word and the greatness of the God that we serve. Another reason why elderships sometimes lack like vision is because it's costly and it's risky. I mean, think about it. People struggle with change. And if an eldership says, we have some visionary plans, we have some things that we would like for the church to accomplish and to pray about and to work toward, there is a cost involved and there's a risk involved as well. What if the plans we set fail? What if the things we purpose to do don't come to pass? Another reason why vision is sometimes lacking among elderships is because you can easily just get into a status quo, things are going fine kind of mentality. It's easy to go around putting out fires, and that's all that some elderships ever do, putting out fires and taking care of problems, taking care of crises of one kind or another without ever looking toward the future and asking, what is the local church going to be in five years, in 10 years, in 20 years? Those are visionary type questions. God intends, I believe, for his people to be visionary. We just read from the book of Nehemiah chapter 2 verses 18 and 19 how Nehemiah when he went to Jerusalem had a vision, he had a goal. His idea was that the the wall around Jerusalem was torn down and he was going to make sure that was rebuilt and the reason why that was a goal was because, not just because he wanted a building project, but because it was a reproach upon the people of God. The idea that God's people were in danger that they were undefended, that if an army came or an enemy came, there was nothing to withhold or withstand the enemy. It was representative of God's concern for his people that Nehemiah went and said, let's rebuild the wall. What I'd like for us to do with our study this evening is just this, let's talk first of all about the meaning of vision. What is it that God would have all of us to consider? And I'll just give you maybe the easiest definition I could could find concerning what vision is. Think about it this way. Everybody in life, every congregation, every individual is going to end up somewhere. You're going somewhere with your life. You're going to end up somewhere. The church here at Katy is going somewhere. Vision is ending up somewhere on purpose. Simple as that. Vision is ending up somewhere on purpose. We're going somewhere, let's end up somewhere on purpose. Let's plan and let's pray and let's work toward a goal, toward an end, toward a vision of what God would have us to be and what we can be with God's help. That's the idea behind vision. And there are four components that are involved in all this. As you're looking at Nehemiah, just think about what Nehemiah does. In the first place, it involves passion. Brothers and sisters and friends, and elders especially tonight, think about this. Vision that is worth defending and worth working for and worth, worth uh, investing in, it is accompanied by strong emotion. When Nehemiah hears that the wall around Jerusalem has been torn down and left in ruins, Nehemiah weeps because of this. He won't eat He finds it hard to sleep. He goes to God in prayer, Nehemiah chapter one, verses three and four. This is something that is so close to his heart and he is so deeply invested in that there is an emotional component to all of this. That's what vision is all about. It's not just saying, you know, it would be nice if we could have a building plan over here. It would be nice if we could do this particular mission work over there. Vision is about seeing something that God wants done and it's about investing in what God desires to be done. There's an emotional component. I really care about this. We really are concerned about that. And that's where vision originates. God has said, this is my word. This is my will. And something is amiss. Something is not being accomplished. Something is lacking. Something could be done that's not being. There's strong emotion involved. There's passion. That's what you see in Nehemiah. Another component of vision is motivation. Second Timothy 2 verse 3 commands us to endure hardship as good soldiers of Jesus Christ. And if we're going to carry out this mission, think about Nehemiah. If he's going to build that wall, there is going to be an endurance component. Why should I sweat and toil and pick up rock after rock and stack it? And why should I put up with all the garbage that the enemy is throwing at me? Why should I have to listen to all that and put up with all their taunts and all of their, uh, you know, their subtleties and their, their, their conspiracies? Why do all that? Because the vision is worth fighting for. It's worth working for. Direction is involved in Vision. Nehemiah had to prioritize what's most important there came a time in Nehemiah's ministry where the enemy was threatening and so some of the workers were posted as guards and others were posted as workers so that the work could go forward I need to take an assessment of what our values are and what the priority is Jesus tells you seek first seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you Matthew 6, verse 33. It's about direction. It's about priorities. It's about putting right things in order. It's also about identity. Who do we think we are? Deep down inside, who do we believe we are? Nehemiah and the people of God. They refused help from those that were outsiders. What part have you in this work? What part have you in this passion, this vision? Who do we believe we are? as the people of God. In Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10, the Bible tells us that you are as a Christian, you are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. God desires for our vision to be accompanied by motivation and passion and direction because of who he has created us to be. What are the benefits? When an eldership, when a congregation looks at what could be with God's help, when we look at what the world is and what God would have it to be, what are the benefits? Especially when the vision is communicated. Think about this it integrates the body. It integrates the body. Ephesians 4, verse 16, talks about how the body grows by what every joint supplies. The idea is that all the ligaments and the joints and the different uh, components of the body, they're all working toward one goal, that the body can grow in Christ's likeness, Ephesians 4.16, that it can be built up in love. People have a sense of where we're going and what's, what's important and what our, our mission is. It integrates the body. It gives direction. First Chronicles 12.32, the Bible says of David, that he had some men, the men of Issachar that were advisors to him. The Bible says the men of Issachar had an understanding of the times and they knew what Israel ought to do. They understood their times and they knew what Israel ought to do. I like that. The idea is that there's a need for us to assess what's happening around us in our community, in the world at large, and to think about what God would have us to do in response to that. An understanding of the times. Vision defines limits because the church can't do everything and can't be everywhere. We are a limited resource entity. What is it that we should invest in first? What is it that we should say no to In Acts 6, verses 1 through 6, when the problem came up in the first century church, some of the widows were being neglected, the apostles responded and said, it is not good for us to leave the word of God and prayer to serve tables. Serving tables is a good thing. The apostles would have said that. Jesus washed their feet, remember? And he told them to go and do likewise, John 13. But the apostle said, no, we have a purpose, a mission on, on which we've been sent. And therefore, we need to delegate in this area. Vision helps us to know where our limits are, what we need to say no to, what programs and works we need to assess and to think about in maybe different ways so that God's word can go forth. It forges teamwork. Nehemiah 4 verse 6 says, the people had a mind to work. Experience teaches this, if nothing else, but the Bible does as well, that when we all understand how we can contribute and what God expects of us, it has a unifying effect among the people of God. The people had a mind to work because they knew what the work was and they knew how the work was going to be accomplished and they knew when the work was going to be finished. It forged teamwork among those people. It gives us a framework to measure progress as well. You ever, um, you know, there's probably a reason why elders are supposed to be fathers first, Um, maybe because they have to drive the minivan with the kids in the back. How long until we get there? You ever had a kid ask you that question, or maybe your husband or wife has asked you that question? How much farther is it? One of the things that vision does is it gives us a measurement. How far have we come? How far do we need to go? What else can we do with God's help to God's glory? It helps us to measure progress. Matthew 25, verse 21, at the end of his life, the two-talent man and the five-talent man heard, well done, good and faithful servants. They had been about their master's business. They had done what he required of them to do. Help them to measure what God would have them to do. Third this evening, as we think about vision, let me give you some examples very briefly. I believe it's important for us, and especially in the context of what I'm speaking about tonight, I believe it's important for us to make a distinction between vision and plans. Vision and plans, they are not the same thing. Vision is the idea of what could be. Plans are how you carry out the vision. It's how you reach the vision. So let me give you some examples of vision. These come from the early church, first century. I believe if there's going to be a model for us, maybe this ought to be a good one. Maybe we ought to look at the life of Christ. Maybe we ought to look at what the first century church did and ask the question, Lord, what would you have us to do as a congregation? But think about this. The first century church engaged their communities for Christ if you went to Thessalonica 2,000 years ago and asked those people that were an idolatrous people, they lived within sight of Mount Olympus in Thessalonica. That's where the Greek gods supposedly lived. But if you asked those Thessalonian people, do you know where the followers of Christ are? They would have been able to point out, yes, we know exactly where those people are. The Bible says that the Thessalonian Christians' faith had gone out into all the world. First Thessalonians chapter one, verses nine and 10. They engaged their communities for Christ. Sometimes Jesus was received and believed upon. Sometimes Jesus was rejected, but there was no mistaking the fact that these people stood for Jesus and these people wanted others to know him personally as well. There was no mistaking that fact. Maybe one of the things that as a congregation we ought to spend some time thinking about and praying about is what plans should we make to fulfill the vision of engaging our community for Christ? What can we do plan-wise in order to fulfill that vision that we want Jesus to be prominent in our community? Another example, the first century church trained workers for the future. Second Timothy 2 verse 2, the things that you've heard from me, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. So Paul gave some information and wisdom to Timothy, his protege. And he said, Timothy, your job, your task is to train more people like you so that they can go teach others also. It's a pyramid effect. Training workers for the future, Titus chapter 2 verses 1 through 10 gives a list of a number of groups within the church, the older men, the older women, the younger women, the younger men, even the slaves give instruction to each one of these groups because they need to know how God's word applies to their situation, to their lives. And the early church was serious about this idea that Christianity is taught How are we going to influence the next generation? What can we do as the people of God? What kinds of plans can we make to train more workers for the future? It's a question that has to do with vision. Another question or another idea, when you read in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 13, verses one through three, This is instigated by God, but God tells the church at Antioch, I want you to separate Paul and Barnabas for me because I want them to go and I want them to do missionary work. And this early church in Antioch, because of what God told them to do, they sent these workers to go into the world and to plant new congregations. Let me just pause right here for just a second. This won't add anything to the cost of the sermon tonight, okay? Okay. One of the marks of healthy congregations that has been studied over the past several years, one of the marks of healthy congregations is this healthy congregations are looking for opportunities to plant new congregations. Did you know that? They are looking for opportunities to reproduce themselves because that's what living organisms do. They reproduce themselves and they're praying about these things and they're working towards these things. The idea is we want new congregations of God's people springing up in various places where there are none, where people need to hear the gospel. It's what the early church did. Another example. The early church, first century, was distinctive in this way. It was unheard of for people groups in the first century to do this. Everybody was in their own silo. Everybody was in their own little sphere of influence and in their own little culture, but not the first century church. It was multicultural, it was multi-ethnic, it was multilingual, it was multinational. If you want to add one more multi to that list, multinational. Jews and Gentiles had been brought together by the blood of Christ and they celebrated their unity and their family experience because of what Jesus had done for them. And I believe as you look at those several ideas on the list, on the board, on the screen behind me, I believe that as you think about what the world is like in 2021 in the United States of America, I believe that every single one of those is a vision that resonates not just with the people of God, but it resonates with people around us. Wouldn't it be wonderful if we could put away the division and the divisiveness in the world around us and if we could just be family and if we could just love each other? Wouldn't it be wonderful if more people were learning about Jesus in various parts of our country? Wouldn't it be wonderful if more churches were serious about engaging their community for Christ? That's vision, those are examples. Plans are not the same as vision. Plans are how you carry out those things. Vision is looking at what God wants done, and it's about having a passionate burden in our hearts that says, we want God's will to be accomplished. And these are things that we pray about, and these are things that we are concerned about, and these are things that we sometimes weep over because they're not being done sometimes. Those are examples. Principles as we close our lesson this evening, just some things to be aware of. It's very easy for the Lord's church to forget her mission. It's very easy in the midst of making plans and works and all kinds of different programs and ideas. And it's very easy for the Lord's people to forget their mission. Jesus, our great commander gave us our marching orders. Go, preach to all the world make disciples of every nation baptize them teach them make them mature in Christ make people into disciples we are a disciple making entity Matthew 28 verses 18 through 20 don't ever forget the mission another principle we need as the people of God to understand problems before seeking solutions How many times in your work experience or in in your experience at home, how many times have people come and they've brought a solution that has to then go looking for a problem? Hey, I've got this great idea. I've got this great, great, uh, you know, notion about something that ought to be done. But really, what problem is that solving? What, What need is that meeting? Understand problems first, seek solutions, plans second. That's what they did in Acts 6, 1 through 6. What's the problem here? The problem is that some of the widows are being neglected. Well, why are they being neglected? Because they speak a different language? Because they have a different uh, cultural background? Well, seek out from among yourselves seven men full of the Holy Spirit and faith that we may put over this business. And that's what they did. They understood the problem first, then they sought the solution. It's a principle of vision. What else? We need, as the people of God, to be ever more prayerful fervently and specifically as the people of God. What are we praying about? Why are we praying for those things? 1 Thessalonians 5.17 commands us to pray without ceasing. We shouldn't just pray for ourselves personally. We ought to pray about God's work in the Katie community. We ought to pray about making a difference and an impact on the people around us at work or at school or in our, in our neighborhoods. We ought to pray about those things. We ought to pray for our neighbors and our coworkers by name. Fervently and specifically, it's prayerfulness. Elders, love you guys. Don't expect people to sacrifice or invest any more than what you're willing to sacrifice or invest. Sometimes leaders come to their followers with great plans, great ideas. But people need to see that this is something you're committed to. You go back to Nehemiah and you think about how Nehemiah worked. He worked side by side, stacking rocks with the people. And when he was needed in a different area of the community, he went and he took care of work there. But nobody had a question about whether Nehemiah had sacrificed anything for this. Nobody had any question about whether Nehemiah was invested in his vision. So it should be with the people of God, all of us. Luke 9, 23, you think about Jesus If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. You know why I'm willing to take up a cross and follow Jesus? Because he did it. He knows that's the way. That's the way to redemption. That's the way to salvation. And I'll take up a cross and I'll follow him because I believe he has the vision to take me where God wants me to be. Don't expect people to invest or sacrifice more than you are remember that in that vision invites criticism hate to end on a negative like this but it's true whenever somebody sees what God desires whenever somebody has a idea of of what God wants done they're always going to be critics they're always going to be naysayers that'll never work why would you try that what plan uh brought you know what what line of thinking brought you to that plan Philippians 2.14, the Bible commands us as Christians, do all things without grumbling or complaining. But vision invites criticism. It just does by its very nature. If you know that going into it, you can be like Nehemiah and you can see a task through to its end to fulfill the vision of God's people having protection and having a way of defending themselves so that God's name is not besmirched or mocked or ridiculed. That's what Nehemiah's vision was all about, by the way. It was about God's name, about what Jerusalem meant to God and about how all the people around thought it was hilarious that the God of the Israelites couldn't defend his own people. That's what Nehemiah's vision was really about. But he had plenty of critics along the way, didn't he? As God's people, let's never forget, everybody's going somewhere, but vision is going somewhere on purpose. And whether it's individually or congregationally, let's give ourselves to the task of thinking about where we're headed and more importantly, why we're headed there. Does this bring honor and glory to God? 1 Corinthians 10 verse 31. If we can help you to obey the gospel this evening... By being baptized for the remission of your sins, you come into a relationship with Jesus Christ. And if you're ready to make that commitment tonight, or if you need to respond and ask for prayers, whatever your need, won't you come forward while together we stand and while we sing?